everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. But my co-host Matt. Hey Matt. Hey Kat. Hey everyone. How are you? Well, Merry almost Christmas. Yeah, it won't be long now. What are we, two weeks away or a week away? I don't even know. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't want to say Merry Christmas yet because we still have one more episode to go where we'll say that. But, right, yeah. But, you know, it's like getting right down to the wire where you have to have Christmas shopping, you know, well underway and your plans for Christmas dinner and, you know, just Do all you of that. Do you have your shopping all done? Um, well, you know, I have ordered many uh, presents that are on schedule to be delivered uh, by Santa. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like yeah, I feel like I'm on target with that. And what are you going to do for dinner? Um, <laughs> I have no plans for that. Um, so, you know, I'm not cooking or anything. I know that's no big surprise. Mm. But, um, you know, maybe someplace will have a <laughs> Christmas dinner for the lonely. <laughs> Need Chinese food. <laughs> <laughs> you know, to get there or something. I yes. don't know. Rah, it's rah, really rah, rah, rah. <laughs> 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 Well, you know, I, I did hear that um, for Jewish people that um, going to the movies and getting Chinese food is like, you know, a really big thing for. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you remember, but I think was it last year, but like. I went to get Chinese food on Christmas Eve, and that was a year, big mistake. Year before, I think. Oh, okay. Well, that was a big mistake, because I waited like an hour. Yes, and you know when I heard when I heard this, um, you know about the about Jewish people, and uh, I, I was thinking like, well, that must have been you know like what was happening when Matt went there. Hmm. No, I think. Yeah. Um, Christmas Eve, like, the day before Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve were, like, two of the busiest times for, like, Chinese and pizza. Because people well, don't because want to cook. To cook because yeah. they're cooking, you know, their big meal for Thanksgiving or Christmas. So, um, yeah. you know, I can see that. But um, it was interesting anyways that, um, you know, just to hear that. And I did think of you and your story when I heard it. So, there you go. Speaking of hearing things, are you tired of Christmas music yet? (laughs) Um, Well, all right. So, I, some of it, like, I can't, you know, I I just can't, like, it gives me a headache to listen to. Like, there's just certain amounts of, it's like having too much sugar, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I, I can't, I can't deal with it. But, um, you know, but then it does not seem like Christmas without hearing um, at least some Christmas music. So um, I'm going to like give a shout out to Dial a Carol. Okay. And, <laughs> you know, so this is something that you know I do because I've like done it with you before yeah let me share in the joy of this so uh, for listeners uh it's in illinois um the i think it's the i don't know if it's the university of illinois so it's like i don't even know Uh, it must be because they always say go illini but anyways um you dial the number so they do this like i don't know seven ten days something like that um Mm -hmm. every year and uh, you dial this number, and these college students, they work around the clock. So, you know, 24-7, you can call anytime. And you can request a song, a, a carol. Or, uh, in my case, this year, uh, I called every day. Um, so, if you're listening, dial a carol. Yes, that was me in Kentucky. <laughs> um, but at any rate. Oh, it's like, her again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, um, so every time I called this year, I just said, you know, like, I, because they always ask, like, how did you hear about us and that kind of thing. I was like, well, I call it, you know, every year. I've called every day. Right. Uh, I'm a stalker of, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. um, But anyways, you know, I just said, like, surprise me, you know, like, you sing me, sometimes I would say, sing me your best, you know, what you think you do the best. Mm-hmm. And and it's funny, you know, it's, it's kind of like karaoke in that, you know, a lot of the singing quality is, you know, like they're probably not going to be on the voice or something like that. Understood. Um, but they're fun, um, you know, and it's so sweet. But interestingly, um, you know, I called the very first when they opened. And which was like, you know, supposed to be like 1 a.m., um, which ended up being closer to 1.30 a.m., but I stayed up to do that because I was just like, oh, so excited. <laughs> um, but so, so um, her song was All I Want for Christmas is You, uh-huh. and, you know, I have requested that in the past, mm-hmm. but um, so, you know, that started my holiday season off with carols, like very happy because I love that song. And, um, you know, so the next day I called back and same thing. I got that same song. Um, and then in between, you know, I got different ones. So, but we'll skip to the end. So I called on the last day, which was Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was a guy answered this time. And um, he's like, my best song? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, is it okay if I get my friend to sing it with me? I was like sure you know and um so <laughs> it's really funny um so it was uh you know the wham song or george michael song i don't know if they're both on it um you know last christmas i gave you my heart right yeah <laughs> yeah um were they any yeah. good um cute you know <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah so you know, it was just like a really interesting song to end on, you know, yeah, but I, yeah. that's the first time, you know, I've never requested that song. 
And um, I, I feel sweet. like George Michael doesn't get a lot of airplay these days. Um. Well, you know, like I see a lot of my friends posting that that's their favorite Christmas song. Really, like, last they, Christmas. They think it's like you know, right up there with the White Christmas or whatever. I mean, huh. there's some people really into, but you know, to me, like that. I mean, and I love George Michael, but, um, but isn't it, it like a song about breaking up or something? Yeah. Well, you know, that is kind of. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well. Um. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's just an interesting start, you know. It's all I want for Christmas is you is the end on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it was like quite a progression there. Yeah. But it's, you know, I, I mean, I I think that's kind of like for our guest today. Um. You know, he covers like. I mean, if you're going to tackle a Christmas song, um, he picked a big one, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so, I, you know, I, I just wonder, like, if you were going to remake uh, or cover a Christmas song, you know, would you would you go for, like, the, the mega Christmas? You know, because, like, I would not choose All I Want for Christmas is You and try to, you know, outdo Mariah Carey. Yeah, you know what that's I mean? true. Yeah. Like, it's pretty hard. Yeah, I would think so, because people are so used to hearing the original, usually. Well, I mean, I guess that's not true, because Mariah Carey's is an original, right? She did the... No, she's not the original, the but... She's a powerhouse, like, I yeah. mean, you know, like, I can't imagine it being done any other way now. Yeah, yeah, I guess, that's true. But then you've got, you know, now, um, uh, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree, so that's the, the song our guest has covered. Who uh, did that originally, do you know? And so, well, you know, Brenda Lee. Oh, yeah, iconic. Brenda Lee. That's right. Yeah. Yes, the iconic. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I read that um, that was the number one Christmas song this year. And that Mariah Carey had sent, you know, because she's had, like, All I Want for Christmas is You has been number one for several years. Yeah. But she sent, like, flowers or something to Brenda Lee. Um you know, when rocking around the Christmas tree at the Is Brenda Lee the, still alive? Yes, she is, and she's still rocking around the Christmas tree. Wow. Uh, I saw she performed it live with um, you know, several other people, um recently. Like kind of being her backup singers, but recently it was really, she's re you know, she's still got it going on. They did this recently? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Like when it, it must have been like a week or two ago. Really? Wow. I don't know. I just thought she had passed away years ago. But sorry, Brenda. <laughs> yeah, Brenda, you got me here. You know. <laughs> yeah. It'd be t I think it'd be tough to cover, you know, something like that. But well, she looks really good. You know, she's still like, still got it. Still um, kicking. That's good. Still rocking. Um, well, you know, I, I when I when we have discussions like this, I think about 
you know, like, I will always love you. Um, and you how, you know, what a, what a song first. It's Dolly's, you know? And then... Was it, was it hers? Yeah, she wrote it. Oh, huh. Until I just thought it was the other way around for some reason. No, no, it's Dolly's song. Oh, okay. And, you know, and then they, they chose it, of course, for the bodyguard and went to Houston and, then, right. you know, covered it, if you want to, you know, to use that word. Um, but I remember Dolly in an interview saying that um, she was driving when she first heard Whitney's uh, version and like she almost wrecked you know she had to pull over like she was so you know like like I think like probably we all felt hearing that I mean yeah I, I, I don't think I don't think that song could ever be um, I'd think Whitney set the bar like at the very top yeah yeah for sure she definitely did a good job with it mm-hmm so, you know, I mean, in that way, it is possible to take, like, uh, you know, a major song and have someone put their own spin on it that makes it, you know, like, it doesn't take away from the original. It just, like, adds another dimension to it somehow. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a few songs like that that I can think of that, uh, you know, the original was good, but the cover was better yeah well you know that's unfortunate hmm. <laughs> when that happens um well not for I the mean, person who covered it i mean if we wrote a song together um and, and we recorded it <laughs> um you know and it was it was it was on the charts, you know, great song or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, then in, you know, five, ten years from now, somebody else recorded it and it was like a, you know, majorly better than our version. Um, it would still be our song, but we'd be kind of proud, don't you think? That Yeah, I would think so. Um, I guess it would depend who did it. I mean, I'd rather have someone like, I don't know, Whitney Houston do it than, you know, Herman. Well, you know, she's passed away, so that's not going to happen. But... So is P.B. Herman. <laughs> okay, well. I'm just saying, I'm using them as examples. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, well, but I mean, yeah, I guess that's true, like, depending on who it was. Like, yeah. you know, if it's, if it's somebody you don't like, um, <laughs> You wouldn't and you want just to don't like, let them record your song. That's right. Be like, you're not recording right, that song. Yeah, sorry, there. dude. Ain't <laughs> happening. Sorry, Pee Wee. That's right. <laughs> Debbie Ann. Yeah. Well, you know, some name. We'll just yeah. some random names. Uh... <laughs> random. Yes. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so. Um, but you know what I'm saying. It, it, I think in a way, uh, like if you wrote a song, you'd be really happy because you can just imagine, not that Dolly probably needs the money, I'm sure, but you can just imagine how much money she has made just from yeah, probably. 
yeah from that song so you know it's um it's kind of interesting and i can't wait to see one why our guest you know chose uh a power christmas song um to put his spin on and then two you know like how does he feel like it's you know it's a bit more like energized um yeah. jazzed up a little bit more uh like more of a rock kind of feel to it mm-hmm. so um i'll be curious to see you know how he um how he thinks that went all right well let's talk to will and find out all right will i want to welcome you to backstory sessions it's so exciting to have you as our guest today Hey, I'm so excited to be here. I'm very excited and in the Christmas spirit. Let's talk about some Christmas music. Well, you sure hit the nail on the head, rocking around the Christmas tree. Uh, That's your single out now. Um, You know, that's a pretty big song to uh, tackle, to put your own spin on. Um, So, you know, what made you choose this iconic song? You know, I had really two main reasons for why I uh, decided on this song. The first one is, when I was a kid, that was a staple of Christmas at my house. You know, my mother and father always had Brenda Lee's classic, just blaring, just doing it, like, all through the kitchen, all through the living room. And it's because of that that it kind of brought me back to, like like, a childhood innocence. And when they asked me, Will, what do you think about cutting a Christmas song? And I thought about it. I was like, you know, I really want to tackle that to try to recapture the magic of Christmas from my perspective, more from, you know, the innocence of being a child and trying to kind of recapture that and get that out to the people the way I felt when I had heard it. And the second reason was, let's just be honest, Brenda Lee's rocking around the Christmas tree is a timeless classic. Everyone knows it and everyone has heard it. And I had the ambition to really try to put my own spin on it. You know, never, never will anyone ever outdo Brenda Lee's version. Hers is the best. But I wanted to put a Will Wesley spin on it and let people hear my take on the Timeless Classic. And those are the two reasons why I decided Rocking Around the Christmas Tree. So uh, what is your spin? So uh, I have listened to the song. But for Mm -hmm. the listeners, how do you define the spin? Uh, that is the Wesley spin. Well, anyone who's ever attended my shows or listened to my singles know that even when I'm doing a ballad, it's high energy. <laughs> and, you know, I really wanted to bring the energy and I wanted to bring my style of energy to the song and bring an upbeat, carefree, energetic, just happy dancing around the Christmas tree vibe to the song. And I really feel like the team around me and myself that we really accomplished it. And just putting the energy to it and just putting a twist of it of our own style. And that's really my my take on the um, on the classic. Um, so uh, instrumental wise, um, did you what did you do there? Instrument wise, you know, I have a four piece band and we also do bring in an company of p- pianist at times. Then on my end, I'm a guitarist, as everyone knows, and I'm also a singer. So. I brought the vocals in the lead guitar, and I also have a second guitarist who played some lead on it as well, Phil Chandler. And we just have a, a real down, bare knuckles kind of sound with our group. We got um, Seth Jones on the drums, 
Chris LeSage on the bass, and we just got two guitars and a piano. So we really kept it true to the rock and roll spirit. <laughs> well, it does, the lyrics do say, uh, you know, you'll get a sentimental feeling when you hear. So, um, you know, do, do you feel like, I know because you've talked a lot about the nostalgia of the song for you, um, do you feel like your version did bring that sentimental feeling when people hear it? You know, I'll always rely on the listeners to tell me that, but I really, what I can say is I really, really tried to capture that. You know, I really, I wanted a modernized version, but I wanted to stay true to the classic and just bring the energy, but keep the tradition of the nostalgia, you know, because I'm all about, I'm all about the sounds of yesterday. I really embrace the classic music and the the classic singles. And I, I feel like we did, to be honest, I'll go out on a limb and say, yeah, I feel like we really did embrace the the energy but also the nature of the classics. So I'd have to say yes. I think we did, and I'm I'm very proud of it. And the response we've been getting is overwhelming. So I'm just so happy that the people like it, and I hope it brings a little cheer to their Christmas season. And so this is available so on Spotify or all the uh, digital platforms. So the listeners will be able to immediately go and hear the song. So. Uh, I can't. I can't wait for them to start sharing their feedback with us as well. Um, Absolutely. So, do you like Christmas music in general? I do. You know, I, I understand that a lot of people are. Oh, I'm sick of Christmas music and all this, but I've always loved Christmas music. I've always, you know, I spend a lot of time on the road, and and the one thing that I've grown to really value is family and. And, and time with your loved ones. And that's what Christmas music has always been about for me, you know, spending time with your loved ones and, and embracing that. And in the world we live in with all the things going on, I think that my love for Christmas music has always stayed with me because it reminds me of a more innocent time and a more just just carefree time. And I think that's what Christmas music does for me personally. So I guess I would honestly say, yes, I definitely love Christmas music. And you also are a songwriter, so um, do you have any Christmas songs that you've written? I have not. I will be honest with you. I am a pretty prolific songwriter, and I've actually been approached this year to talk about maybe writing a Christmas single in the coming years, and I'm really considering that, you know, because songwriting is what I really, really dive into. I love um, songwriting, and I love expressing myself through music, so, you know, Keep your ears open. You might just hear a Will Wesley original Christmas song in the coming years. Well, we'd expect to have you back and uh, talk about that for sure when that comes out. Um, so let's get some of the background for you, your backstory. Uh, where did you grow up? Where is home or was home? You know, I, I was raised in a, in a little town outside of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was born in Baker, Louisiana, which is literally on the outskirts, you know, so I'm, it's true. I'm a Southern guy, <laughs> you know, and um, being being raised in Baton Rouge, you just kind of learn a lot of different styles of music. So, yeah, proud to say I'm a Baton Rouge native. Uh, what was the musical influence like where you grew up? You know, my dad was a musician, so a lot of my influences came from him at a very early age. My dad, being a guitar player, he had a philosophy when I started to kind of follow in his footsteps that 
he wanted me to learn every style of music I possibly could. So really the influences growing up in Baton Rouge was a combination of what my father listened to and a combination of what was being played in the clubs when I got old enough to go there. So really my earliest influences came from the blues. I did a, I played a lot of blues in my life. And um, also naturally my biggest influence, country music, listening to the greats like Hank Williams, Merle Haggard, Johnny Cash, Johnny Paycheck, you know, David Allen Coe, but also listening to a lot of Southern rock, um, the Allman Brothers band, you know, uh, Marshall Tucker band, bands like that, the kind of all these things kind of infused in my style. And being a guitar player, I really had a love for Chet Atkins and people like Brad Paisley, even, you know, Keith Urban, guys who you may not know it from just listening to the singles, but can really burn a guitar up, you know. So they were they were always big influences on me as well, because guitar has always been a driving force of who I am, you know. Well, and you say when you were old enough to go to the clubs, um, <laughs> I saw some stories, however. Now. <laughs> Is the word out? Gone a little before you were old enough technically to go, so. Tell us about that and, you know, how the disguise and all of that, like, what drew you to clubs at that time? Well, you know, Kat, they say your uh, past always catches up with you. Well, <laughs> I guess in this sense it has caught up, and I don't believe in lying to the listeners, so I will be honest. You know, coming up in the South, there, you know, there's music in the clubs every night, and you know, there was in, in the area I come up, there was a lot of rock, country and blues bands. And after I started taking lessons and, and getting, you know, the itch to really go play live music, all these bands would hire me. But then we had a serious problem. They realized this guy's only 15 or 16 years old, mm-hmm. you know, and I was playing with the bands and rehearsing with the bands, but getting on the stage with the band was not something that they felt comfortable with me doing and i started talking one day and i I'll never forget i was playing for an artist and um i asked her i said what if i grew a beard and what if i just grew a full beard <laughs> would i would i be able to come in the club and she looks at me and goes i don't know too many 15 16 year olds who can grow a full beard first of all and second of all maybe <laughs> so <laughs> I was one of the rare people who could grow a full beard at 15 or 16. And I grew a full beard and started going into these clubs and playing blues gigs and country gigs and rock and roll. And pretty much people began to grow in popularity. So people began to embrace me. So they didn't really care about my age once it came out. So I guess it worked out in my favor. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, that's a pretty interesting backstory to have. Um, so you say that you're a songwriter like the, at the core that you um where did that begin so we've heard a little bit of your influence for guitar uh, mm-hmm. and even musical styles um but when did you know you were a songwriter you know i guess i'm a bit different from other artists before me in the sense that the minute i could pick up a guitar I mean, like from day one, my intrigue with it was to express myself from day one. So getting on a guitar, I immediately began to write songs. Now, the quality of those songs at 
12, 13, I will not express, but (laughs) (laughs) I began to really take time to, from the beginning, write lyrics and try to write songs. Even before I knew how to play a guitar, even before I knew my first chords, I was interested in, in playing and writing my own music from day one. So that the more I began to evolve on a guitar, the more my songwriting just began to evolve with it. So I honestly would say from, from day one, music has always been all about original for me, you know, and um, expressing myself and, and songwriting has always been the driving force from day one. So the minute I started playing music, I'd have to say that I was in pursuit of being the best songwriter I could be. Do you remember the first song that you... Well, I've tried to forget it. <laughs> no, but in honesty, um, I actually would say, and this is very funny, I don't remember the first song title that I wrote, but I can tell you that it was of the country influence. I think I threw it away in the coming weeks just because I was not impressed with the draft. <laughs> was it inspired by something? or So how did it come to you? I'll be honest with you. The inspiration behind my first song came from none other than the possum, George Jones. Mm-hmm. I had heard um, he stopped loving her today. And I thought this was the most honest, sad, but honest song I had ever heard. I I'd listened to it and I was like, wow, this guy literally had to die to stop loving this woman. And for some reason, the theme of that influenced some of my early writings, you know, trying to, it, 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 what it did is it molded me into trying to tell the stories of people, everyday people, which you'll find is in my music even today. That was one of the early foundations laid. And it, a lot of that came from people like George Jones, who wrote songs for the everyday person. And in hearing that, I just, I found myself really wanting to write songs that related to everyday working class people. And that's where the beginning of that came. So I'd have to credit that to George Jones. Interesting. So um, with songwriting, um, did you feel like that was going to be the career path? Or um, have you always, you know, since you put it all together, have you wanted to be the performer who performs their own music? Um, I mean, if you could only choose one, did you think the path was going to be as a musician, as a singer, or as a songwriter? Where did you see it going initially? Initially, I felt like I was going to be, honestly, a studio musician and a session songwriter. When I first started, because honestly, as a kid, I was very reserved. I was very shy. So I thought the idea of me going out there and <laughs> screaming good evening to everyone and then just completely losing losing all touch with worrying about all that, I, I didn't think that I would ever do that. Little did I know that I would be credited as being a high-energy performer in years to come. But in my early years, my ambition was just to be a session guitarist and a session songwriter mainly because i was shy and didn't want to have to face the people but when i started getting out there and watching how front men worked and also the infectious energy of a live crowd got into me i realized i didn't really care what people thought about me i'm going to go out there and just act completely high energy and just 
have a dang good time. And that's, that's how it evolved. I started out wanting to be a session um, musician, but the infectious energy got a hold of me and I, I knew it was, I was born to be a performer from there. <laughs> Did you see any other career path when you were, you know, when you're in high school or those ages where you start thinking about what you're going to do when you grow up? Um, did you have any other thoughts if it wasn't music? Well, I got to be honest with you, Kat. When you come from where I come from, um, just to have a career of any kind is a is a high thing. And what I mean by that is I think I possibly could have been voted most likely to not succeed in high school. I was a bit of a troublemaker and a bit of an outlaw by nature, you know. So for me to do any kind of work that was more respectable than getting in trouble, I think that I just embraced that immediately. Music was always what kept me out of trouble in a sense. You know, it's what kept me moving forward. And and I must honestly say music has always been the only thing I've ever wanted to do. I've worked different jobs throughout my life, but when my career started to take off and I just, I love everything about not just music itself, but the business and everything. I love meeting the people. I love writing. I love performing. I love listening to people's reaction to our new single. I love doing this interview with you right now. So everything that I've always been has been a musician and a songwriter and a performer. So I can honestly say I may be one of the <laughs> one of the rare kinds, but I've never had a second thought about what I want to do. You know, I knew that music was what I wanted, and I knew that it also kept me out of trouble. So it just seemed to go hand in hand. <laughs> have you been a starving artist at times? I have. You know, in my early years, I started out very much. Um, you know, I never came from a rich family. So when I decided at a very young age that I'm going to devote to music, I've seen some hard times. I have. I've been homeless. I've uh, There was a time I'll share a very, not the most cheerful story, but to explain the starving musician mentality. I remember a story when I was very young. I'd set out on my own and fell out on hard times. And um, there was a local competition where you could win $50 if you won the local competition. And um, I was so broke that if I didn't win that competition, I wouldn't have had money for the week to even buy groceries. That's how bad it was. And I had made my mind up to enter this club and to enter it and enter the competition and found a way to just, as they said, win hands down. And it was things like that that <laughs> kind of kept me through. Is There were times where I really had to rely on just, you know, my musical knowledge or talent or whatever you would like to call it to, to pay my way. So yeah, being a struggling musician, I have been one and I understand everyone out there who is one, you know, I don't think I'll ever forget or lose touch with that. So I think, I think what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and it really molds you into who you are. I would, I'm not going to say I would encourage every musician to <laughs> be a starving <laughs> musician. If you can start off and make a million dollars, go ahead, please. But <laughs> I will say for all those starving, struggling musicians out there, the the foundation that you're laying and the dues that you're paying may very well mold your character later down the road in your career. I will say that. Yeah, so we had Lacey J. Dalton uh, as our guest, and you know she, of course, sang 16th Avenue. So it always 
it reminds me of I'm always reminded of that song when I talk to musicians about their beginnings and you know what this struggle part was like because you know nothing is really all um glitter you know there's always the the hard times so as you said that molds a lot of character uh, which is needed for the long haul if you're going to have a career in the well really in anything um so um, from a songwriting perspective uh, what is a couple of your favorite songs that you think are just really well written you know i have songs in every style of music that i find to be very very top quality and in country music which is my love i can name classic artists older artists and new artists who have written some really fantastic songs in the classic market a song that i had always loved was on um, merle haggard's if we make it through december that's always just been such a once again just like i said about george jones the honesty to me the, the the heartbeat of country music is the stories that it tells and the honesty of those stories and the relatability of those stories and just like he stopped loving her today if we make it through december was a song that as a kid when i heard it and being poor myself you know i i think every poor man or poor woman has related to that thought if we can just get through december we're going to be okay you know and hearing that it was it was it was just so therapeutic and understanding that other people really go through that as well you know and that was one of the first songs that really grabbed me was by merle haggard was if we make it through december but other songs throughout the years even um garth brooks the thunder rolls i always thought that was a well-written song and i respected how the thunder rolls really did break the genres it broke it brought country into rock and roll and you know it moved and, and mixed genres like that and i really remember that being somewhat inspirational to me because being a student of music i always try to fuse different styles of music and when i was a kid hearing garth brooks the thunder rolls was the first time i'd ever seen country music with that much of a rock flavor and it really inspired a lot of my writings as well you know, things like that. And, and even in current country, you know, I'm a big fan of Chris Stapleton. I think he writes some real nice music. And I also think I like Eric Church a lot. You know, um, I, I don't know how well his single Stick That In Your Country song was, but I was a big fan of that. I thought that he really tackled some <laughs> great subjects and I thought that he did it with a lot of fire and intensity. And he gained, he gained my respect with that. So I'm a big I'm a big fan of all these different artists, modern and old. I really love, I don't I don't embrace one over the other. I just really appreciate the song quality that comes out there. So when you are writing, um, do you write from personal experiences and feelings, or do you like just hear something that? you think like oh that would make a great song or you know what's the process like for you to me i'm a believer that art imitates life and they have some people that that believe life imitates art but i'm a believer of the opposite i believe that our experiences are what mold our 
artistic expressions. It doesn't matter if you're a painter. It doesn't matter if you're a songwriter. It, it doesn't matter what form of art you're creating. I believe that our art is an imitation of our life. And what I believe is that when I sit down to write a song, I want to express my real life experiences because those are the things that inspire me. Those are the things that move me internally to, to listen back and, and to write a song based off of things that I lived. And the real reward is to see it become universal and realize that other people have also lived this. I think that that's the real magic of songwriting for me is to write from true life experiences, put it out there in the world and see people relate to the experiences that I've lived. It, it makes you feel like we're all connected one way or another. And, and that really is something special and magical to me. When I, when I hear that or when I hear other artists do that, I still get chill bumps on my arms listening to that. So yes, by all means, I believe that every one of my songs is, is, is heartfelt and a personal experience that I've, I've, I've honestly went through. So I do believe that, you know, art, art is the way to do it. And I believe that art also imitates life. So that, that's my vision on it. Uh, so I know you mentioned he stopped loving her today and the, you know, the message of that, of loving someone so much that, you know, death is, uh, is the only time that stops. Um, so I'm sure that probably a lot of people could relate to that and would have shared that, um, you know, if they were able to meet George Jones and talk with him. Um, do you get a similar kind of feedback from fans uh, when you've written something and performed it? Do they tell you their stories as well? They do. They do. You know, um, on the last record and on the one that's coming out next year, I've heard fans reaction, you know, like one of the songs that's coming out on the upcoming record, ready to ride next year is a song that I've written about the death of my brother and the experience of losing him to something as awful as addiction. And we have sampled this song in Europe. We've sampled it in Asia. We've, we've played it around the United States as kind of an early preview to see what the fans' reaction would be. And the reaction has been overwhelming, standing ovations. And the real magic of that is using something so tragic like the loss of a brother and telling his story and bringing it to life to the people and to see people come to you after hearing it with tears in their eyes and expressing to you that they have also lost someone through addiction and they've also lost someone due to this horrible disease and that's what i believe addiction is the relatability between the song and the listener is at its strongest at that point and the older I get and the more I'm releasing this material, the more I'm beginning to realize that it's music itself that has been the healing experience for me. So I want to use that to heal others. It's not about fame or stardom or money at all. It's really about using my music to try to help people out there struggling. And that's what really what my drive is i want to i want to cheer people up i want them to relate i want them to not feel so alone in their struggles so 
to answer that question, yes, I do see fans coming up to me very often talking about how they relate to the songs and it even helps them through their days. And that that's the biggest reward of being an artist and a songwriter for me. Yeah, Matt, um, you know, that's pretty amazing, don't you think? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, always good to get great feedback. Um, you know, people can, sounds like people can relate really well to what you're doing. Um, I w had a couple questions about, um, so you've been playing guitar for quite a while, it seems. Uh, do you have a favorite one? I do. Um, you know, at heart, man, I've always been a Gibson Les Paul, man. Mm -hmm. I love Gibson Les Pauls. And I'm also a Fender Telecaster guy. You know, I've got an old 74 Tele that I bring all over the country and all over the world along with my Les Paul. And they, they've, they've been through the wars, but those are the tried and tested guitars for Will Wesley. Yeah. Fender Telecaster and a Gibson Les Paul is the route I go. Do you uh, collect guitars? You know, I, I've always, um, I have quite a few guitars, but I've never been a guitar collector. I've never, um, I've never really collected certain years or certain models, but I've always just had guitars that I felt were of top quality and things that always just really pertain to my ear and what I wanted to hear. So I'm really more of a tone guy. I just like to hear the tones of the guitar and, yeah. you know, if it meets that, that's what I'm going to use. So you're not out there looking for another greenie or whatever that one that the dude from Metallica has? From I think. It was... Well, if they want to give me one, I'll gladly take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not out there looking, but I'll gladly take it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how many? Uh, how much do you tour? I mean, it sounds like you're playing a lot of shows. Uh, is that an accurate statement? Yeah, man, we spend a good bit of the year on tour. You know, we've um last year alone we we've been to um, Thailand, mm -hmm. uh, we've been through parts of Southeast Asia. We went to Europe. We did um we did seven sold out shows in Switzerland. Wow. Um, we we played all over the United States. We go all over from Ohio to all through the South, all through the North. We we're basically everywhere in that sense. So it's it's very rare for us to be home for a period of time that's why this year is kind of magical i have some time to celebrate christmas and new year's with my wife before we're gearing up for a heavy 24 and we're going to be back out on that highway again yeah yeah what's so uh do you find the audiences in europe and asia different than the u.s you know when i first started touring um europe and 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 went to thailand my biggest fear especially in thailand was I told my manager, uh, Brian, I was like, Brian, um, how are they going to know what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't speak their language, you know? And he just, he just puts his hand on my shoulder. He goes, we'll just go win them over, son. <laughs> so I go out there and I, <laughs> that, that was my advice, you know? And, um, so we go out there and, and we've been, um, even though the magic of it is, is even though not everyone speaks English or, or understands, the reaction was overwhelming, mm -hmm. you know, to be encored and to really be able to, to meet with people there. And just like in Europe, you know, to go there and have seven sold out shows and, and to be touring with my friend Florian Fox, who we did a duet together and good friends mm -hmm. to be there touring and to be um, watching the crowds react the way they are is quite magical you know just to see them 
encore you and, and love your music. And, you know, even in Europe, there were, there were several who already knew the lyrics of the songs and were singing along, which is yeah pretty, pretty, pretty impressive for a small town kid like myself. You know? hmm. Um, what's Christmas like at your house? Do you do the whole, you know, traditional thing or do you have some other, uh, maybe not so traditional, uh, yeah. Yeah, Christmas at my house, you know, has always been more of a traditional thing. You know, mm. my, my family is very traditional in that sense. So it's all about family and warmth, you know, and usually every year I'm smoking the turkey. That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> but every year, you know, to be back home and to, to it's more of an appreciation thing. The more I've been on the road, the more I appreciate coming back home and, and valuing the traditional side sure. of what we used to be and to still be celebrating that now is, is very special, you know, so in my place, it's nothing, um, it's nothing too radical or out there. It's more of a traditional style of Christmas, but it's something that it, it's very dear to my heart. What are you, what are you hoping to get this year for Christmas? Well, I was wanting to become a, oh yes. Uh, what I, what I was want, hoping for was to become a guitar collector. I was hoping guitar, <laughs> That Santa might bring me a, a model of every Fender and Gibson from the last 45 years. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> It'd be better than the lump of coal he got me last year. I was hoping to upgrade. <laughs> hmm. uh, so you got an album coming out next year, you said? We do. We do. We got Ready to Ride. It's um, We're in the process of recording it now. And um, we are working on the single Ready to Ride to be dropped in January and the new album's dropping, and I'm very, very proud of the work we're doing on this one. It's more, it's a more of an intimate side to my music, but also has the rock and party favorites. So, you're gonna get a good combination on this album of high energy rock and roll country, and um, you're also gonna get a lot of classic country and um, elements of singer songwriter. And 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 the stories on this album is I'm very proud of. I really want the people to hear it. I'm hoping that they get that we get a great reaction, and I hope everybody is. Excited about the new album, just like I am. Cool. Uh, do you have a release date yet, or no? Oh, what's that? Do you have a release date yet? We don't currently. We are currently working on it, and we are we, we have a release for uh, January 12th for the first single, Ready to Ride. But the actual album release is still hasn't been decided amongst the management, so we're definitely going to keep you all informed when we know a release date of the whole album. All right. Cool. That sounds great. Uh Okay, you have one more question? Okay, so here it is. Um, <laughs> we're looking forward, of course, you know, to the new year. And now, I mean, it's very, uh, very shortly into the new year that you're going to have your single out. But um, as you reflect, what is something that you need to start doing? Something you need to stop doing? and something that you need to continue doing as you move into 2024? Well, you know, one of the things that um, I need to continue doing in 2024 is touring and getting out there and meeting the fans and meeting everybody and um, really just taking the time to get to know my fan base the best I can because they all matter to me, all the supporters. One of the things that I'll, I'll tell you this on the things I need to stop doing, I'll I'll modify a little bit and say I'll continue to stop doing, which is 
I'm proud to say, you know, and this is on a personal note, that um, I no longer drink. I've, I've said goodbye to alcohol, and I've said goodbye to that as a, as a whole. And, you know, one of the things I'm proud of is I've learned that through, through sobriety and through not drinking and things like that, you know, it's a be- it brings out a better musician in me and also a better people person. So I would say to quit drinking on my end, but also to just maintain it. I've, I haven't had a drink in quite some time now, and I'm proud of that. So I will continue on that path. And in terms of the ambition of 2024, what I want to um, really accomplish is I really, really want to grow as an artist in a way to where everybody who's coming out to the shows can understand where my heart is at and, and understand the message. I want to grow the message in my music in 2024 more. That's that's my biggest goal is to to, to divide myself from a lot of the other artists by showing that Will Wesley and his brand of music is more about unity and bringing people together. And I really want to promote that message in the new year. And I want people to relate to it and continue building it. And hopefully it helps people. And that's, that's my, that's my new year's resolution. (laughs) It's a great one to have. And, um, social media, what role, um, is that something that's really useful and easy for you or how does that work in, um, you know, staying in touch with the fans? You know, in that sense, social media is a very, very special thing to keep you connected to your fans. And yes, we've been um, growing in our social media, and I've been very happy about that. You know, it's good to um, use that to connect with your fans. So yes, I'm a big supporter of that. And actually, I can even let you know where to find me at, at willwesleymusic.com. That's where I'm at. And if you want to listen to the new single, Rocking Around the Christmas Tree, you can get it on all of your favorite online digital stores. We're there from Apple, Amazon, to Spotify, wherever you want to type in Will Wesley. The good thing about social media is type my name in and I'm a bit of everywhere. So you can't miss me and you can't avoid me. <laughs> well, it's certainly been great having you as a guest and hearing your backstory. It's very fascinating and to see the journey that you've had so far. So I can't wait to see what the new year holds for you. Well, I want to thank y'all for having me on the show today and then tell all the listeners, thank you for your support and thank you for your continued support. Keep your eyes open. we got a lot coming in 24. And I want to wish everybody out there a Merry Christmas and y'all as well. Kat, I hope y'all have the best Christmas y'all have ever had this year. Thank you, Will. Well, thank you. All right. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I don't know. I was just saying I'm looking forward to the new year and, and coming back to hopefully talk with y'all again. Anytime. We'll be happy to have you back. Uh, we want to thank you for your time and wish you a Merry Christmas as well and your family. And, uh, you know, again, come back anytime and we'll uh, meet the spot for you. Hey, I really appreciate that and I'll, I'll look forward to doing that in the new year. All right. Well, take care. Thank you so much. All right, brother. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to cat at iwriteplays at outlook.com or you can write to me at backstorysessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.